from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta, welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Before our worship begins, I'd like to share with all of our members and friends a little bit about our financial situation. Regrettably, our projection for year-end reveals a deficit of $420,000 on our $5.7 million budget. While we've worked diligently to manage our resources and expenses, giving in 2022 and 2023 have fallen below expectations. I assure you that our trustees, session, and financial team have thoroughly explored all options to mitigate this situation. If we are unable to bridge this financial gap, difficult decisions will need to be made. This could include budget cuts, which might impact various aspects of our ministry, including a potential reduction in personnel for the year 2024. However, we believe that as a community bound by faith and shared values, we have the ability to overcome this challenge. And so I call upon each member and friend of First Pres to consider how you might be able to contribute to our financial strength. If you've already given in 2023 and have the capacity to go the second mile, please give more. If you've not given in 2023, please give today. You can mail a check, give by credit card, uh, give by stock transfer, or use the QR code that will be on the screen in just a few moments. Our congregation has had a successful capital campaign, securing pledges of over $36 million. Our ministries with children and youth are bursting at the seams. Our worship attendance, both online and in person, are strong. Our community ministries continue to serve our most vulnerable neighbors and friends with compassion and great care. Our staff is strong, gifted, and committed to serving the mission of the church. My hope is that our giving will increase uh, to support the strength of our ministry in this season of our life together. We will continue to communicate openly about our financial progress and any developments that we have as we move forward. Please keep our congregation, our leaders, and our shared mission in your prayers. If you have any questions or concerns, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. And thank you for tuning in to this week's broadcast. Jesus healing a crippled woman. Now, he, when he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with the spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus called her, when he saw her, he called out, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood straight up and began praising God. But the leaders of the synagogue, indignant, because Jesus had cured her on the Sabbath day, kept saying to the crowd, there is six days which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. 
But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away and give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound of 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd, and the entire crowd, was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he has done. Amen. Friends, that was the word of the Lord for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Friends, it warms my heart to see you again. It does my heart a lot of good to be in this sacred space with so many faces I know and some I don't yet know. So if you're anything like me and when you're not up here, you tend to sneak in a little bit after this morning's announcements, I want to introduce myself very briefly. I'm Anne Henley. I used to be one of the pastors here at this church, and I now serve at Columbia Theological Seminary as its Vice President for Enrollment, which means that if any of you are considering or resisting a call to seminary, I know people who know people. <laughs> Friends, it is a gift and a really deep joy for me to be here with you, so let us come to God in prayer. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Give us ears to hear your word proclaimed in a way that changes us and heals us and frees us. It is in your incarnate word, in Jesus' name, that we pray. Amen. Time is funny, isn't it? A lot of life has happened for all of us since you and I were regularly worshiping God together in this sacred space. And yet, here we are together again, worshiping God as if time stood still and time expanded and suspended all at once. And over these last five years, You've done a lot. You've baptized more people, promising, that, promising to nurture them in their faith and welcome them, welcome them into this community. You've loved and embraced new pastors as you've lovingly sent some of them to serve God elsewhere. You've supported more social entrepreneurs through the Epiphany Project which is incredible. 
and uh, you have committed yourselves to an inspiring and very ambitious capital campaign, transforming this sacred place to ensure that it reaches many, many generations to come. You've taught countless Sunday school lessons, led numerous vacation Bible schools, maybe attended some non-sanctioned camping trips. You've learned how to connect with each other when it wasn't safe to gather in this sanctuary for church, yet you've never once stopped being the church being a Christian community of spiritual conviction and tangible compassion. And what a gift it is to spend time together today. There are many other things we could say about time. Time is elusive. Time is a thief. Time is money, says Benjamin Franklin, and time takes it all whether we want it to or not. Stephen King warns. Jim Morrison claims the future is uncertain, yet the end is always near. So why this talk of time as if it kills and steals? If time is our most valuable resource, why are we spending it rather than investing it in people and activities that bring us life? Is time meant to be punishing? Is it a privilege to consider how we spend our time? According to God, time is sacred. When God creates people and animals, God calls them good. Yet when God creates the Sabbath, God calls it holy. That's how we're introduced to Sabbath to the rest God experiences after six long days of creating the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. When God finishes creating and puts up God's feet and admires the work of God's hands. When God watches the day turn into night and the waters touch the sky, as God listens to the trees in the breeze and admires the shape of their seeds and the size of their fruit, when God glistens in the sun before the moon arrives with all her stars, when God beholds the creatures of the sky, sea, and earth, including the people, formed in God's very image, admiring and inhabiting the world as one of God's many good creations. The sheer beauty of it all takes God's breath away and causes God to stop, to look back at God's creation and stop creating for a day, for one whole day, to pause, to admire, to delight, to observe and listen and be still, to model Sabbath by practicing it before our very eyes. We creatures need reminders though. For some reason, we can't stop working. We can't stop worshiping other gods we create rather than worshiping the God who created us. 
So God takes matters into God's hands and delivers a clear message to Moses on Mount Sinai when God delivers the Ten Commandments. And when Moses receives God's commandments and transcribes them on two tablets, it's the Sabbath that connects them. It's the Sabbath that connects God's command to worship God alone and God's command to love our neighbor by honoring our parents and not killing, stealing, or coveting. It's the Sabbath that quite literally joins these two tablets together by connecting our Christian calling to love God and to love each other by honoring God's command to rest. Sabbath brings it all together, which may be why remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy is so hard. You see, Sabbath isn't self-care. It isn't bubble baths and massages. It isn't a day spent running errands rather than sending emails. It isn't a day spent busying ourselves with things we don't usually busy ourselves with during the week. It's a day spent being present with God, ourselves, and the world around us. It's a day spent listening for our own heartbeat well before we listen to it on a machine. It's a day spent sitting still long enough to hear ourselves think and to feel ourselves feel, to cry for no reason and for every possible reason. To stop long enough to check in with God about how we're really doing, being ever attentive to God's work and healing in the world and in our hearts. Sabbath is more than caring for ourselves. It's caring for our souls. It's holy rest. It's sitting outside, listening to the birds and admiring the world God created by accepting God's invitation to rest. To rest in the knowledge that God is still at work when we stop working that God heals when and especially when we rest. When Jesus meets a bent over woman in our passage, it's on the Sabbath. It's on the day that the faithful worked tirelessly to refrain from working in adherence to God's command. We don't know much about this woman other than the fact she's bent over burdened by an evil spirit that's plagued her for years. We don't know her name, we don't know where she lives, and we don't hear her voice, at least not at first. She doesn't ask Jesus for help. We meet her as Jesus meets her, at rest, hunched over by all she's been carrying for the last 18 years. So while Jesus is teaching, Jesus notices her and calls out to her. Then he proclaims the good news that she's set free from evil spirits and the baggage she's been carrying on her shoulders these many years. And then something miraculous happens. Jesus lays his hands on her and she stands up straight. While the English translation leads us to believe she stood straight, on her own, 
The Greek says she was straightened. Did you catch it? The hidden gospel truth here is that this bent over woman is inactive before and during her healing. She's still at rest when Jesus heals her, when she's done nothing but move closer to Jesus upon his command. Friends, the only time this woman acts in our story is after Jesus heals her and she begins praising God. That's the closest we come to hearing her voice when we hear her alleluia. Jesus is prone to bend the rules. Some of my favorite Jesus stories involve Jesus throwing tables and kingdoms upside down in an effort to reinterpret the law by reorienting our loyalty to God rather than the rules we're trying so desperately to keep. And one of the laws Jesus loves to help us reconsider is the Sabbath. There are 12 separate stories in our Gospels about Jesus' healing. And in each of these stories, Jesus heals on the Sabbath day. On the day that's been set aside to refrain from working. That's when Jesus heals people, whether they suffer from a withered hand, an unclean spirit, a fever, or a host of other illnesses and ailments. That's when Jesus heals the bent over woman in our passage and even a few sick people in his hometown. As one of my good friends from seminary likes to say, Jesus, healing, and Sabbath simply go together. Jesus is what keeps the Sabbath holy. According to our Christian calendar, we're in a season of ordinary time, yet we know these last few years have been anything but. We had all this time. We had an opportunity to stop and be still, and yet what did we do? We baked bread and organized our pantries and worshiped in our pajamas and ate more carbs and drank more wine and somehow we forgot to breathe. Somehow we're surprised we're exhausted. We're surprised that burnout rates are sky high because it's not only COVID that threatened to kill us. We've been busy killing ourselves with the busyness of our lives. Friends, the truth is, I don't know how you've been spending your time. It's been a minute. So I don't know what's keeping you up at night or what keeps you captive. I don't know what you're wrestling with or what you're running from that keeps you running. Yet I do know that God wants to heal you. I do know there's a God who wants you to stop long enough for Jesus to set you free. And the best part, friends, about this kind of freedom is that it doesn't come from our action. In fact, it's our inaction that counts. Our inaction precedes God's actions. That's when Jesus stops what he's doing, 
calls us to come closer to him and declares we've been set free from all that weighs us down. That's when Jesus finds bent over people just like you and me at rest and heals us. That's the gift of holy rest. That's the healing freedom Sabbath provides, the freedom of surrendering our striving to a God who heals every day of the week. Friends, freedom comes when we know we need time with God, so we sit still with God in a sanctuary like this or in another sanctuary of God's creation. I practiced Sabbath in preparation for this, and I failed. I didn't make it a whole day without doing laundry or without researching and writing parts of this sermon. But I did sit still with God. I admired the trees and talked to family and friends I hadn't caught up with in a while. I stopped. I paused. I even took a nap. I sat on our perch. Our porch, <laughs> I perched on our porch <laughs> and looked up at the sky in awe and wonder. I walked the dog twice. I said some prayers for you and for me and for our time together. I prayed God would bless this time and set it apart and make it holy. And I listened. I listened to the beat of my heart as I listened to the kids playing in our street, and I was filled with hope and awe and wonder as I uttered my own, Alleluia. Church, the freedom of the Sabbath is that for a moment we dispel the myth that we are what we produce. When we breathe in the breath of the Spirit and remember our identity comes not from what we do, but from God's own voice claiming us and calling us and creating us to rest. That's not only one of God's commandments, it's also one of God's promises. That sacred rest is for all of God's creation. That rest is as much for the grasshoppers as it is for the one who created them. And what our creator wants, friends, is our time. That's where we encounter Sabbath as a palace in time, as Rabbi Heschel describes it, where we experience time through connection rather than activity. Sabbath is where time suspends and expands, and that's where Jesus finds us, stopped in our tracks, being good for absolutely nothing. That's when Jesus heals and frees, when there's nothing we did or could do to make it happen. What a test of humility and faith to believe God could heal without our help. Believing God loves us as we lay on our couch or sit on our porch or, or turn off our phones and watch TV and do nothing but notice the artistry of cobwebs as we listen to the kids playing in the street, as we listen to the birds and talk to the flowers and hear that still small voice whispering, 
You are my beloved. You are healed. And you are free. Friends, for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of our souls, may it be so. Alleluia and amen. Thank you.